Well, welcome to another episode of Sip On This, the podcast that brings you onto the wondrous journey of wine tasting here in Napa and Sonoma Valleys and fields afar. Oh, today's gonna be so special. We're back here at the Charles Krug Winery in Napa Valley, but we're not here to focus on the Charles Krug line of wines, but something very much more special. A wine that not only uh, tastes great, but has a particular meaning and has particular purpose. And Janae's not with us. She'll be back with us on the next episode of Sip On This, but joining me today is a great winemaker who has a very distinguished career. Uh, he first served in the military for the United States, but then went into winemaking. John Monnier, welcome to Sip On This. Great to have you. Thank you. So John, you served our country in the late 60s to early 70s. Tell us what you did in the military. Okay. Yes, uh, my career in the military started out, I would say, sentry dog handler, uh, which is you know part of the security force. We provided, you know, my first job assignment was in, happened to be in the state of Oklahoma. We provided security for B-52s that were uploaded with nuclear weapons. And the, in one of the governmental, uh, you know, budget-cutting uh, eras, that base was shut down, and I was then reassigned to Anderson Air Force Base on Guam. Mm. You know, and It's on my bucket list of places to go. It was, uh, well, I, that was, this was 1970, 1971, and it was fairly undeveloped back then, frankly. It was beautiful islands, very small, the people were wonderful, uh, but there was almost no tourism in there, if you will. Uh, they were building a lot of hotels, they were gearing up for it. About the only tourism you saw there were uh, honeymooners from Japan. It was a very popular place to go. It was like Hawaii to the United States was. Mm -hmm. So I spent 18 months there, uh, you know, tropical island, you know, never got cold, never got hot, rained all the time, you know, what could be better? <laughs> Your father was also in the military yeah. too. Yeah. Tell, us, tell me a little well, bit yeah, about my, that. My father was a pilot in World War II, which would have been the Army Air Corps back then. After, after uh, World War II was over, he stayed in the Air Force Reserve for 26 years. So when mm -hmm. I decided to enlist in the armed forces, I chose the Air Force, you know, basically, you know, without even thinking about any of the other branches because that was the one my uh, father served in. As a matter of fact, he was still active reserve as a lieutenant colonel when I enlisted and he actually did the swearing-in ceremony oh, nice. with me. So a nice little PR photo op. Yeah, know, for the recruitment office. Well, also a very nice touching moment between yeah. you and your dad to be shared. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So both your dad and you uh, are veterans, and so uh, military service and service to our country is as part of your core. It's part of your soul. Yes. And then, after your military service, uh, you took on winemaking, which became another part of your soul. And it became uh, the predominant part of your career. Yeah. Tell us about your path from uh, from the military to winemaking. After I got out of the Air Force, I went back to school on the GI Bill, and I, because of my service as a dog handler, I wanted to become a veterinarian. Mm. And so I went back to the local junior college for a year or so, then transferred to UC Davis, where the, the veterinary medicine school is. And that's when reality set in. Mm -hmm. You know, talking to advisors and other people, there's 90, there, at least then, I don't know what it is today, 97 annual openings for the school and at least 3,000 applicants. And so I've really got 
the idea that I was not probably going to make it short of having to go to school for a decade or something, you know, hoping to get in. Yeah. And the other, the, you know, the other part of this is while we're in the military, especially when I was on Guam, uh, my wife and I started really becoming interested in wine. Uh, so up to that point, we had wine, but it was kind of the wine with training wheels back in those days, which was cold duck, Lancers, Matus, Lee Frommels, you know, real simple rosés and white wines. You know, mm -hmm. we enjoyed them. And when we got on Guam, because of the duty-free status there, you know, of course, in the military especially, the package stores, which is what they call liquor and wine stores, had some really interesting French wines, so I started trying those, you know, so it's just a standard upgrade from, you know, simple wines to more complex wines. And because of that interest, uh, the first quarter I was at Davis, I took the Viticulture and Enology Wine Appreciation course. So I'm in this, you know, I'm in the, you know, in the lecture and I'm listening to the lecture and I'm sort of half listening to the lecture and half wondering in my brain, well, what are you going to do now? Because you don't really want to just go to school to go to school. You can go to school to get to have a career at mm -hmm. some point. And they just, they were talking about how wine was made, you know, portion of the course, as opposed to talking about various regions such as Bordeaux, Burgundy, Chianti or whatever. Right. And it really sounded interesting. It kind of got my interest. And so I went to the department head of viticulture and enology and asked him, well, are there career opportunities in this field? And he says, you know, there are, not a lot, but there are. So I changed my major and that, you know, as the rest is history, as they say. <laughs> so I've been a winemaker since 1976, so I'm 43 years, still uh, enjoying it. The rest isn't history quite yet because you've been with the Mondavi yes. family for a long, long yeah. time. Yeah, I started with the C. Mondavian family in 1985 and, you know, pretty much made all the wines that, you know, were within the company portfolio. At the end, I was uh, the C.K. Mondavi Vineyards winemaker and I was uh, doing the started, you know, I was involved with the startup of the Purple Heart Project. At this point, the interview, we had an outside consulting winemaker who's a Vietnam vet, you know, you know, really actually initialized the first blend that he and I then, you know, worked on. And he, because he, you know, he had his own winery, traveled a lot, you know, to first, for his own company, he didn't really want to commit to the travel portion of remaining the Purple Heart winemaker. And so I took it over, you know, officially, you could say, as the winemaker. Uh, which was actually about the same time that I had indicated that I was going to be nearing, you know, the time that I would actually like to retire and pull back from full-time work. And I was asked to, even if I retired, if I would continue, main, you know, to be the winemaker for Purple Heart. And I said, absolutely, you know, it's a cause that I believe in. I really like, you know, the wine and I don't really want to give it up completely. So John, you started to talk a little bit about the wine, the Purple Heart wine, but that's because it's a perfect blending, uh, for, forgive the pun, but it's a perfect blending of your distinguished military career as well as your distinguished career in winemaking. And you created a new label called the Purple Heart Wine. Tell us a little bit about the roots of this project. Yes, the Peter Madavi family has always been interested in uh, veteran uh, issues and causes. So we decided we wanted to uh, bring something in the way of wine that would promote 
you know, the fact that, you know, you know, promote the cause of veterans' issues. And we went to the Purple Heart Foundation to see if they would be interested in a collaboration on a wine using the Purple Heart Metal as the label. They were interested. We worked up some uh, a blend that we actually they sent a couple of their board of directors out who are wine geeks, <laughs> so to speak. Collaboration was you know started. We worked on a label you know that they approved, put the wine together, and we make an annual donation to the foundation. We've donated seventy thousand dollars so far. Wow, that's awesome. You know the foundation uh, benefits. I should say they benefit all veterans, not just wounded veterans. Uh, they provide services to veterans and their families, such as the counseling for finding out what benefits you could be eligible for from the federal government, and then helping the veteran apply and receive those benefits. I understand that to, so far they've, over their history, they've uh, accessed over $250 million worth of benefits for veterans. Mm. They also fund research into such issues as post-traumatic stress, uh, traumatic brain injuries, uh, veteran suicides, and they uh, also have a legislative adv advocacy for uh, issues to you know, uh, for, that affect veterans. Veteran affairs issues, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. This idea was the genesis of, of Peter Mondavi and you. It, and this is the fruition and, now. And it, well, the, the entire family, and I just, you know, Peter Madavi Sr. and, you know, he and his sons and all their daughters, you know, the daughters and well, Peter Sr.'s grandchildren, if mm -hmm. you will. Yeah, they're, they're all very interested in, you know, helping veterans or promoting veteran causes. And I love that wine with a purpose. Yes. You know, uh, when we do this podcast and we go talk to winemakers, there's always the story behind the wine. And this is such a beautiful story because it really is a story that has a beneficial purpose to help our, our American mm -hmm. veterans. Thank you, and I salute mm -hmm. you for putting this together. This uh, label has been uh, was created when back in 2013-ish. Uh, the first vintage was 2013. It so I believe the initial launch or that was released in the fall of 2015, if I'm not mistaken. And we're now on the 20, the 2015 vintage. That's great. Mm -hmm. And I've had this wine before. I ran into it back in Washington, D.C. when I was living there. And back then when I first had it, uh, it was a delicious blend. Uh, but first, my first impression of it when I saw it was the beautiful label. And the label itself actually has an image of, of the, the purple, heart, purple heart, which is beautiful. It's a simple label. It's, uh, and it's very elegant. And at the very top, uh, the, the words purple heart appear. Uh, just beneath the actual image of the Purple Heart. I'm quite excited to taste this blend. I love grape blends. Tell me about how you selected uh, the grapes for, to make this uh, wine. Okay, the, it's a red blend. It's based on Merlot. It's the primary variety. One of the things we wanted to, the wine to be is we wanted to have some softness to it. Mm -hmm. So we chose Merlot as the base. Mm -hmm. I then blended in Zinfandel, Petit Syrah, Petit Verdot, and Cabernet Franc, all for, you know, the Zinfandel's actually to add some more fruitiness. The Petit Syrah is to add some tannin and a little more structure to the wine. The Petit Verdot, in, small, in a fairly small amount, adds just some uh, body to the wine, adds it kind of extends the palate, if you will. And the Cabernet Franc I used because I was looking for just a little bit more top note in the aromatics. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, I was playing with, you know, you know, sort of an aside, I was playing between it and Malbec 
and for this vintage the Cabernet Franc worked better than the Malbec did, but it, they they both had the, I had the same idea that I was looking for, and you know, and of course you every vintage just those are sort of that's sort of the basis, and but you have to you know change it the percentages a little bit this way or that way, and, you know, and you just it's sort of a long term experimental process to get it just the way you want. That's right, and you said the base grape is a Merlot, and Generally, when people think of Merlots, they kind of think of a more fuller body red wine. But, um, you know, recently, as, I, uh, as I've explored more and more Merlots uh, out of the Napa and Sonoma regions, they're actually quite elegant. They're actually yes. quite soft. It's not as a robust mouthful of, uh, of a varietal as, as people anticipate or people mm-hmm. would expect to get, usually expect to get. Yeah, so I would, yeah, it, it, it's the elegance that we were looking for, and that's you know why I use some petite raw and some petit verdot because then that expands that you know that mouth feel or that you know fullness in the mouth and the palate that you you would get that Merlot doesn't necessarily uh, provide on its own. Well, can we taste it? Sure. Oh, I'm so excited! Oh, love that sound. Mm, those are the two best sounds, the popping of the cork and the chugging of the wine from the bottle. Mm. Well, normally we just go straight into the tastings, but first I have to toast you for your vision to help create uh, this wine. So thank you for your service in the military. Thank you for your service in, in the wine field. You, did, you, you created a wine that feeds the soul, literally. Thank so you. I appreciate that. Mm. I get that softness. I get a little bit of um, a little bit of a dust book in this bouquet. Mm. Yeah. Some clear uh, black pepper. I'm yes. Yeah. I get a lot. Of, I get you know plum, and I get a, a bit of a spice note. You know, not not so much pepper, but but it's you know there's it's. It, it's sort of, I, you know, just for lack of a better term, I usually call it wood spice yeah. because it does have some oak treatment. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, not, it's a beautiful red. There's no brown notes to it. Right. You know, it's, you know, so, you know, it's not garment. It's definitely ruby. And I can't wait to taste it. Mm. Sheer elegance. Yeah. It's so soft. Yeah, it's, Yes, the tannins are supple. Yeah, it's got good structure. They're, yeah, there's it's mouth filling. You can yeah. you know still you know the finish is really long. I'm still tasting it. Yeah, it really is, and it's, it, you're right. It's it's coated the sides of my mouth. It's a beautiful mouth feel to it. Fresh, uh, like red berries to me, like a raspberry. This has got more of a red or blackberry essence yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say blackberries with some uh, uh, red red raspberry or red cherry. Yeah, a uh, little hint of cassis, perhaps. But what's so really nice about this wine is that texture. Yes, that's the you know the mouth feel. The it feels it's you know almost luscious. Yes, you might say. And that that's what I was trying to achieve with how I blended those all those varieties together. Yeah, was to give that feeling that you could almost chew on it. 
This without is, being, a lot of times people talk about chew and wine, and they're really talking about the wine's tannic. Mm -hmm. I mean, this has got a little bit of, you know, just a hint of tannin on the finish, but it's just part of that structure. It's it's not the astringent, you know, you know, make you, you know, right. suck up or anything, you know, you know, like you're sucking a lemon or something. This is, you did a very lovely job on this. Thank you, but like, that's what we were trying to achieve is something that, you know, is... I don't, you know, I hate to use the word easy to, you know, drink because, you know, that's, but it, it's, it's, you want to have more. Well, yeah, it's, you want to take another, you know, you want to taste it again and again and that's again. That's right. Um, I've had it with a lot of, I mean, I have this wine at home a lot. Yeah. And I've had it with a lot of different wines. Uh, I thought it went really well with lamb. Mm. I mean, it went, I mean, I've had it with smoked ribs. You know, oh, yeah. You know, I mean, so it, it could be a hamburger wine. That's if right. You know, or the barbecue you know, the, out in the backyard. That's right. One of, one of my our fav, my wife and I's favorite things to do is we smoke steelhead. Mm. And it goes really well. I mean, you know, it goes well with that too. Mm. Amazingly. I looked on the website. I saw that this wine is actually very affordable, and I, and I think you kept it at a great price point for for the re, in the retail market for the consumers to buy. That's right. The suggested retail is twenty dollars. Very affordable. I like to think this wine is a great wine even without the cause behind it. If some other label was on this wine, I'd still... It's I'd, still an elegant yeah, wine. It's, it's an elegant, beautiful wine. We put it, you know, we did not want to have a, you know, a so-so wine, you know, in the bottle for a cause like this. We wanted yeah. a really good wine. So you've had a distinguished career in winemaking. Um, you've made some award-winning wines. Where does this wine fit in your career? Um, actually, it fits right at the top, you know, part because of the fact that I am a veteran and I'm doing something to help other veterans. Uh, only some of my, you know, in my career when I was, you know, when I did the reserve wines, you know, the, the really, you know, the high-end wines that, you know, the, that I would say are, you know, are up there too. Mm -hmm. You know, this, it's, I think this is, I really, I, it's a great way to cap off a career. Yeah. Just with this wine, hope to keep it going for quite a while. Absolutely. Well said. Well said. When I'm out in the trade and if I'm doing, you know, at a tasting or, you know, talking to people, you know, whether they're, you know, in the trade or they just happen to be customers in a retail store, a lot of them want to tell me that, oh, I'm buying this because my brother is a Purple Heart recipient, or my dad, or my cousins, or I have two or three relatives that that receive the Purple Heart. I'm, you know, I'm buying it for them. That, you know, that gives me chills. You know, when they when I hear stories like that. Mm. So, John, you you not only make a great, beautiful, elegant wine, and as we said throughout this episode, it's wine with a purpose. But, you know. Tell me, and we always say wine has stories, but tell me a story about your one of your interactions, or maybe you've had a few interactions with, with some of these actual Purple Heart recipients. And what does that actually make you feel? And how is that? What is well, that? The interact. I mean, when I'm interacting with veterans or that are Purple Heart recipients, most of them don't really want to talk about them. They want to talk about others, right. not not themselves. So they're. You know, there it's. I suppose it's part of that brotherhood of war type of uh, mentality that most of them don't want to really talk about what happened to them, unless it's maybe humorous or at least now humorous, sure. I suppose. Sure. And so it always makes me feel good that they, they're, and they're very appreciative of the, of the idea of the wine. 
you know, that they really like that something's being done that will help promote the idea of, you know, veterans, you know, veteran causes. Well, John, it's been a lovely afternoon. Thank you for spending time with me today uh, and sharing the Purple Heart wine with me. Um, I, I got to say, this is one of the more profound uh, podcast episodes we've done because we always talk about the beautiful Napa Valley region. We always talk about the beautiful wines and the great stories behind the winemakers. But this is really, truly a wine with a purpose. So thank you so much for doing what you do. And congratulations on uh, a distinguished career in winemaking. Thank you. I salute you for your service to um, our country and the military, but also your continued service in, in what you're doing by um, helping our veterans here in the United States. They really are a uh, community of, of folks that really uh, deserve our love and our respect. And, and, and this is such a noteworthy cause that I hope our podcast listeners go out, find the Purple Heart. They can go to the Purple Heart Foundation website, right, to get this wine? Uh, if you want, you know, if you go to the purpleheartwine.com, there, there is a uh, drop-down menu that for a wine locator, you put in your zip code and it'll tell you what, what the local retail stores are in your area that carry it. There's also a function you can, if you want to make a donation to the foundation, that you can uh, click on that and it'll take you to their website. Can you also purchase this wine online? Yes, the web, our, the purpleartwine.com website has a purchase function in it. And it can be sent directly to the consumer. Assuming it's legal to ship to the state they live in. That's right, perfect. Well, thank you so much, John. It's been such a lovely time spending with you this afternoon. Really do salute you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Well, thank you again, John, and thanks to our audience for listening to another episode of Sip On This. You can always subscribe to Sip On This at uh, Apple iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Go to our website at siponthis.org where you can email any questions that you have, which we'll answer in a future podcast. As we always say on every episode, but it's more profound with this one, live life peacefully, productively, and deliciously. Cheers. Cheers. Great. Thanks so much. Mm -hmm. What a beautiful wine.